Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Hello and welcome to Flashback, American Historians on Movies. I'm Katie Fapp, a doctoral student in American History at the University of Oxford's Rothermere American Institute, and I'm here to explore American history as seen through the lens of America's most popular history maker, Hollywood. Each episode, I'm joined by another historian as we discuss a movie that covers their own field of expertise. Today, I'm joined by Grace Mallon to discuss 2020's Hamilton, a filmed version of the 2015 stage musical starring and written by Lin-Manuel Miranda, itself based on Ron Chernow's 2004 biography of Alexander Hamilton. Grace is a junior research fellow at the Rothermere American Institute and is a historian of politics in the founding era. Welcome, Grace. Thank you so much, Katie. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, I'm, no, it's, I'm so excited to talk Hamilton with you. Um, it's such a, I mean, I'm really excited you picked it. I kind of thought, I wasn't really thinking of it as a movie. Um, I, I, I kind of like, I don't know, I thought to like The Patriot or um, like the movie version of 1776. There's not a lot of revolutionary kind of movies, are there? It's really it's difficult. Yeah, no, I had the same thought when I was like, oh, I would love to do this because I love talking about films um, and being like, oh, I didn't like the music choice or that lady's wearing her hair wrong or whatever Great. it is. That, you know. This is what we like to hear. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I love that stuff. Um, but it's really hard, as you say, because there is there are no good films which is really weird to think about, right? Given that America is, as you say, obsessed with the movies and obsessed with the revolution. Yeah, How and have... I have a theory. We, we can get into that. I have a theory on it, but... Um, I really want to yeah. really hear your theory. Okay. <laughs> um, maybe we'll save it for later, maybe. But um, before we get too ahead of ourselves, um, I was just wondering, like, what is your relationship with Hamilton? I assume maybe you do think it's maybe the good version of the revolution or maybe one of the only good pop culture things of it or um yeah that was the thing I was like so the patriot exists but we don't have to I try not yeah. to think about that right um that is true it exists <laughs> then there's like there's the John Adams miniseries which is probably the most Iconic, high quality yeah. exactly depiction of that yeah. period that I work on um and then there's um turn George Washington spies. Oh, that's right. Yeah, but that's also a TV series and not really Hollywood. So, so this is yeah. The Actually, a lot of TV series, isn't there? There's yeah. There's a few that that deal with this um, this era, but yeah, no, not not so much in the film um, sort of region. And yeah, so my relationship with this film is that I went to see it um, when it was back when it arrived on stage in London. Um, I'd heard all the okay. hype from uh, the American mm -hmm. historians and then so went to see it as soon as I could in London. Thought it was terrific. Um, had a few years break before it came out on Disney Plus during right, the pandemic. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, and watched it again a few years out, when a lot of the criticism had landed, I watched it with my younger right. sisters, who are both like okay. in the sort of Gen Z. Uh, I'm a more mm -hmm. millennial, they're more of a Gen Z. So it mm -hmm. was really interesting to return to it. And that's something that I'd like to talk about um, as we get into some yeah, of no, I, I think I had kind of like a similar um, like reaction to it, rewatching it for this, for this recording. Um, I'll just say as well, like I, I feel like I was probably like right, I was the right age for when Hamilton hit. I was shown the 
version, the early version of it that uh, Miranda performed at the White House in 2009 for the, let me get the name, I believe it's the Evening of Poetry, Music, and Spoken Word, um, where he was asked to perform something from In the Heights, uh, his first kind of big hit musical, um, and instead went up to the crowd and said, I'm working on a musical about Alexander Hamilton, and performed an early version of Alexander Hamilton. Um, and got a lot of laughs from the thing. And I think at the time, my history class was like, yeah, like that will never happen. <laughs> and then two years later, it was like mania. Um, and I was still in a lot of like theater kid crowds. So I really <laughs> felt the whole like full force of it when it hit. But anyways, not to get too ahead of ourselves, I mean to ask you also, um, obviously you're a historian of politics in the early American era. Um, but do you want to get more into specifics about like what sort of politics, how does it relate to Hamilton? Mm, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, this is my stuff. I mean, this is, I, um, so Joanne Freeman was one of the major advisors on, um, on the production. Um, she's a mm. historian at Yale university and I was reading all of her stuff, um, for my research. So what, what I work on is, um, is federalism. Um, and, uh, uh. so yeah, <laughs> so I'm really interested essentially <laughs> in, um, the relationship between the state and federal governments. Um, I'm interested in, um, how the law lawmaking at both the state and federal levels and the, the, the courts as well, and how they, they shape that relationship. I'm interested in how, um, essentially how the state and federal governments both govern at the same time in the practical sense of like actually, you know, doing administration. So that's what my thesis is about. Mm -hmm. um, and okay. it's, it's the period 1789 to about 1820, which is the period, obviously Hamilton dies in 1804, act. but he's very act active. Act two mostly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's, yeah. Um, exactly, it's act two. Yeah, is, is when I'm really okay. interested in, yeah. Cool, cool. Um, excellent. That's great. And I mean, yeah, I'm for my own, I am a historian, but I'm a historian of the late 19th and early 20th century. Um, and I can't wait to hear your thoughts on this because I mean, it's not that I, I, and I, you know, I went through the American school system, so I have an understanding of the American revolution and the, you know, constitutional convention and early dynamics of the Washington administration, but I'm certainly not as sharp on it all as I used to be. So I'm interested to hear your thoughts on, on how they are presented in Hamilton. But before we get too ahead of ourselves, I'm going to present to you the 60 second plot description mm -hmm. where I ask our guests describe the plot of Hamilton in 60 seconds or less, just in case anybody who has not listened or watched Hamilton can know what we're talking about without us having to go back and like kind of like rehash the plot. So with that, are you, do you understand your task and what you have to do i will do my best to do that okay <laughs> people have been people have been really good at doing it so i think you will do great okay i have the stopwatch up i'm going to count down three two one go so uh, the plot of Hamilton um, begins with a quick prologue. Um, so it, it's the story of Alexander Hamilton's life. As Katie mentioned, it is based on Ron, Ron Chernow's uh, biography of Hamilton. Um, Hamilton's life is relatively short, um, and it uh, begins in the mid-1750s in, uh, in, in the Caribbean, the British Caribbean, um, and it ends um, in New Jersey, uh, sadly, in 1804, when he is shot dead by Aaron Burr, which is, which is introduced right at the beginning. We meet Aaron Burr, and he's 
talking about how he's going to kill Hamilton one day. Um, and it's the story of Hamilton's rise and fall, right? So it's literally, it's it's his revolutionary, um, it's his arrival in, in New York, it's his revolutionary experience, um, it's his experience um, of, of participating in the creation of the new government, it's his experience as Secretary of State um, and policymaking, um, and then it's his, his decline into, I mean, essentially political madness. Um, so that is the story followed by his untimely death. Um, so that is the story, uh, and some personal tragedies and other stuff along the way. All right, that's 60. Good job, like, right? Yeah, Fat. excellent. That's that's it. Yeah, it's the life of Alexander Hamilton. I mean, really easy to sum up in some ways. Uh, but you bring up an interesting point, I think, of the musical, is that it's kind of framed by Burr. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I really, that is one of my favorite, I was as I was re-watching it, I was like, I hadn't um, remembered that. But of course, Burr is the narrator. So the man yeah, who he kills, really is. yeah, he, he's the man who yeah. kills him, and he's also treated as the foil for Hamilton. He is yes, absolutely. They they have a similar. They are framed in the musical as having had a similar background, um, and um, they are presented as essentially taking very different paths based on um, their personalities and their particular understandings yeah. of how to operate politically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think that's one of the musical strengths. Um, actually, I think, I mean, okay, so with this podcast, I want to talk to historians about movies that relate to their, you know, subjects, mm-hmm. like I said in the intro. Um, often this kind of gets into historical accuracy. <laughs> However, <laughs> I don't know how you feel, but I feel as if Hamilton is possibly the most talked about piece of historical pop culture in the last uh, since, since the century the century no like is that an overstatement in, no, in the 21st century i think yeah yeah in the 21st century yeah um and there have been many a blog post and i'm sure other podcasts and videos and op-eds all about the historical inaccuracies of hamilton <laughs> um so i don't really want to spend the hour just like you know kind of going through with like a fine fine tooth comb and going like oh you know he wasn't in New York in 1776 <laughs> or blah, blah, Lafayette wasn't there in 1776, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I mean, we, we you know, as they come up, we can certainly address them. Mm-hmm. But I really would rather, um, I kind of hope this conversation can be like an opportunity to talk about thinking Hamilton as a piece of history, right? Yes. And its legacy and how it has affected how we think of Hamilton the man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, to sort of get started... On that question, I mean, it's Hamilton in 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 terms of it's so Burr is a foil for Hamilton, but right. Burr is someone that we generally historians don't like him. Nobody likes no. him. It's not controversial to treat Burr as the villain. In fact, I mean, Miranda does something quite clever with him, which he is he kind of humanizes Burr, and Burr Absolutely. isn't someone who I think that's really compelling. It, yeah. It's usually it's usually compelling that we meet we, we we are introduced to this whole difficult relationship that he has with um, Theodosia, that he has with his the, the, the one of my favorite songs, yeah. Beautiful and his daughter um and yeah you really get to know you feel like you get to know him as a character certainly the character of Aaron Burr you really get to know him Mm. but um as Joanne Freeman's also pointed out I mean really what Hamilton plays into is this was it was Hamilton or Jefferson the good guy Mm. in the American Revolution that's what it's getting to and Hamilton in terms of its impact I think is like sees the rise of Hamilton as the good guy for a particular generation of like viewers uh, or, or, or mm. participants or consumers of, of American pop culture. Hamilton is the yeah. hero. Yeah. And it, that's such a, I don't, I feel like that's like such a seismic shift. I mean, mm. 
like I said, I was in kind of like high school history classes right before Hamilton hit, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember learning about kind of the Hamilton-Jefferson feuds in the Washington um, administration in AP US history and kind of like dramatizing it myself in my mind because I I mean I often still do that in history like I kind of like like the juicy drama <laughs> um, you know I'm like what's what's the gossip what's happening um and obviously that like you know such strong uh, opinions on either side really stuck out to me mm-hmm. um and at the time I'm not anymore but at the time uh, having grown up in Virginia I was pretty pro Jefferson um and I mean, since Hamilton, like that is like, no, I don't think anybody is pro Jefferson anymore for a lot of reasons. <laughs> um, we should say slavery, Sally Hemings, um, mm. et cetera. Yeah. Um, but it is wild that, I mean, yeah, it's like Hamilton is a hero, right? I feel like when I was learning about it in 2013, uh, 20, yeah, 2013, it was presented to us in a far more of a like, oh, Hamilton's kind of the uptight prick. Um, <laughs> kind of like snobby new yorker right like mm-hmm. that energy versus the guy who wrote the declaration and was friends with Je- or washington and all of that yeah i think i don't know if you have kind of a impression or how it's changed for you yeah so it's it's interesting for me because um i really i encountered jefferson um so i'm obviously i'm british which is right. got to, that's it's another got to play like, into layer, all interesting of this. layer. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. got to play into all of this. First of all, yeah, I did not grow up with any of this. I learned things watching the Hamilton um, musical on the stage. Mm. There were aspects <clears throat> of that history um, and good history by Lin Manuel Miranda. Congratulations. Um, you know that, that he actually <laughs> highlighted for me that I had not encountered before, simply because I just hadn't been immersed in that history throughout right. my entire life. Right. We didn't do the American Revolution every single year of school. In fact, right. we it never is- did it. It is like beaten to us. Yeah. And I, th- when I moved here, it was like, I was like, oh, I know all about the revolution. This will be so easy. And all I was in a um, uh, first British Empire class mm. and all my British classmates were like, um, excuse me, what? <laughs> what is this? We were in about 100 wars in the 18th century. Like, why does this one stick out? Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, 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 and the idea that there was some kind of, um, you know, I mean, there was obviously upset over the loss of, of, of uh, the the 13 colonies but it wasn't quite as um as intense um as i think some americans assume one of my favorite diary entries is 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 this chap um writing in sort of um 1783 um who's sort of like this prolific diarist in england who um is sort of like um peace treaty with the americans concluded um my cucumbers are looking well <laughs> and, and that's his whole sort of that's his that's his that's his sort of, yeah that's how he digests the end of revolution but so what i was going to say is i'm british um there's plenty about hamilton as a political personality that really appeals to me um which does not mm. appeal to americans simply by virtue of of, of the way that they are taught to think about mm. politics and government so okay like what is that yeah get into that yes. i'm interested to hear so hamilton is described often by american historians as being a monarchist as, as is john adams yeah um, yeah i mean also that was that was another uh, thank you for bringing that you know he's always that that's the accusation lobbed at him right that he wants to bring back the king or some sort of king system yeah exactly um and um i think it's well, I'm just going to be a historian and say it's more. Co- it's obviously it's more complicated than that, oh, it's right? Always more complicated. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's more complicated yeah. than yes. that. Um, and it's complicated in the sense that um, Hamilton is a Republican. Hamilton risks his life to um, 
uh, and uh, British rule in North America, which mm-hmm. is really important to remember. Um, and then he... But he believes that the, Amer- the British system of government has been very successful. And the mixed constitution, having monarchy, aristocracy, and the commons all being involved in government, um, is has been really... Um, really successful, which it has in the sense that like we have a brief break in, in British English history of, of the Republic, um, right. which is which is overthrown. Um, and then we have a successful monarchy that manages to incorporate uh, the interests of at least the political community. Obviously, the political community is highly exclusionary. Lando, yeah. But, but yeah, yeah. Lando new men at this point. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. Still, still relatively radical if you think about kind of the arc of European governance prior to then. Precisely. Um, so, and he believes that, that the British system is, is pretty successful and it has many um, appealing aspects to it. And he wants to remind um, his fellows that, you know, we don't need to overthrow everything just because mm. we're in this this revolutionary vein. Um, Jefferson, by contrast, um, is obviously this sort of... It, 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 makes various kinds of problematic, as far as I'm concerned, statements about being in favour of of bloody revolution, right? Right. Um, The famous, what is it, the roots of freedom must be watered by the blood of tyranny yeah exactly um the tree of liberty no no i think the tree of liberty yeah Yeah, um, Yeah. and you know that whole sort of a little revolution um you know never did anyone any harm or whatever it is that he says right and he's saying that right in the middle of the french actually actually like killing you know a lot of people in the service of the revolutionary cause so it's kind of yeah yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a yikes moment for jefferson so i have a certain amount of sympathy for hamilton's position there um but um so, so that so being British definitely informs uh, and some of some of where I'm coming from, um, but yeah, I think there was a real um, spike in interest in Hamilton and a sort of sympathy for Hamilton. It's really unusual, but but I have to say it's really unusual. And there has been a um, and I don't know that it reflects the majority of historical opinions. So Lin Manuel Miranda feels this kind of sympathy. Okay. Yeah, Lin Manuel feels this kind of sympathy for Hamilton, um, mm-hmm. and and like that his story, his own personal story, is kind of reflected. Seeing his relationship, right? The kind of the immigrant story and self-starter in New York, which yeah. we can get into as well. But yeah, of so course, he's yeah. so he's um, he see he's seeing that. Historians in general do not do see Hamilton in the way that you see him, or would be brought up. To to see him essentially in the United States as he's kind of a reactionary. Um, he's in mm. favor of building a, a, a really strong relationship between elites, moneyed elites, and the national state. That's his interest. In, um, and he is in favor of um, uh, using military force to demonstrate the might of the federal government. Right. Um, so again, there are these problematic aspects that historians cling to. So it's funny for me coming in as a historian, I think the general public is probably a lot more sympathetic to Hamilton now than they would have been without this musical. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, he was, I, I mean, the compare right? Like, I mean, do you think like kind of what we're taught in school and kind of just like the presence of the founding fathers in American culture prior to, or, prior to Hamilton, right? You have like the, I mean, Washington is, the, the the guy right yeah. and we can get into that too because this movie i mean this movie the musical yeah very much continues that treatment of him as like the guy yeah. he is above reproach um yeah and 
uh you like all the so every like every washington monument right because there's the washington <laughs> monument but then there's so many other washington monuments as well yes. um but then even jefferson has a monument we all know adams is the guy who followed <laughs> um i mean adams may be a little bit less known but certainly still i think more known than hamilton was mm-hmm. and hamilton really was just the guy on the dollar or the ten dollar bill mm-hmm. um to the point where before hamilton hit they were considering swapping him for someone else on the $10 no and then this musical you didn't know this this is like a very famous yeah so uh, I think it was I believe so uh, f- rewind to like 2015 mm-hmm. and I think the treasury was planning there was kind of a movement to have a woman on currency mm-hmm. or besides like Sacagawea or Susan B. Anthony on like you know a bill right a bill currency mm-hmm. and there was like a Harriet Tubman on the 20 mm-hmm. by 2020 kind of um, effort yeah and the treasury heard that and went, okay, what if we put her on the 10 and replace her with Alexander Hamilton? <laughs> and everyone went, not quite like the, you knew, right? Because I think the, the 2020 thing was like, oh, you know, 100 years after the suffrage movement mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of uh, uh, Andrew Jackson. And Andrew I mean, Jackson is just like, Andrew Jackson. There's right? nothing I mean, if, you can if say. If we're picking yeah. founding f- people to remove from the currency, <laughs> I would much prefer we get rid of Jackson right. than Hamilton. <laughs> Um, um, and they announced that they're like, we're moving Alexander Hamilton from the $10 bill and we're putting on Harriet Tubman and everyone went, no, <laughs> because, because <laughs> I think they announced this shortly after Hamilton came out or it was like Hamilton mania. Oh, wow. And they, they retract, they were, they, re- they went, never mind, never mind. Yeah. Um, and then went back in a, back to the drawing board. Wild. So, the, so that's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. So, so, so his popular. But immediately, right. The impact of the musical on how we think of Hamilton. It's huge. It's absolutely huge. Absolutely. I think as well, like even uh, uh, we don't have a Hamilton monument, really. The first and last time I was in New York, I did not go into the, did I go into the graveyard? Mm, I've been to see his grave at Trinity Church. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And it was undergoing restorations because, so I didn't really see it. I saw like a cube around it of like, you know, construction fencing (laughs) saying like, this is his grave. Um, And I saw some penny. I saw like, you know, a stone peeking out, but not the whole thing. Um, But they were renovating because it had gotten so much attention and it was kind of like dingy and dirty. (laughs) They were cleaning it up because it was, and this was in like 2019. Wow. I think 2018, 2019. So like, wow. I don't know. It's just, it's interesting to see the way it kind of like ricochets around um, American culture mm. and how we treat Hamilton, right? Yeah. And I think, as you say, so I think, yeah, there has been the shift. So, so the efforts of um, Monticello, so, I mean, uh, um, and, and other right. organizations too. So yeah, it's all happening mm-hmm. in tandem in a sense, right? So, so right. Annette Gordon-Reed is publishing her research on, um, uh, Thomas Jefferson and the Hemings family and his relationship with Sally Hemings, um, uh, you know, across what the nineties, the and the and the early two thousands, um, yeah. and then um, and Monticello is saying, okay, we're going to have to radically. Um, reform reinterpret Ex- right, reinterpretation of these historic houses mount vernon's doing the same thing yeah mount vernon has been doing the same thing when you go through mount vernon um they're going to talk to you um about um um the enslaved people who would have existed in this space who would have worked in this space yep. their relationship with the washington family and it's gonna and monticello i think is the best of all of the um historic homes that i visited um it's the best at dealing with this um oh interesting uh, yeah okay. no no i mean they've been incredible they have really i've never actually been no 
and I think one of the funny things I was yeah. reading this volume historians on Hamilton to sort of prepare for this <laughs> oh good okay um, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. you've got to do your search right um, and um, because all the public Absolutely. history is really is really essential and one of the historians was sort of saying oh you know if you go to any of these houses then you know they're still it's still found as chic and I'm kind of like absolutely it's still found as chic there's still a laudatory kind of vibe um, but at the same time um, you go to Monticello you go on the tour um, there is a, a, a tour guide who might be like an undergrad at UVA who is going to say to mm-hmm. you um, uh, welcome to Monticello um, this is Thomas Jefferson's plantation house um, what we're going to talk about on the tour is Thomas Jefferson's acknowledged family and his unacknowledged family um, and those are going to be um, that that's going to be the theme uh, right. of the, of the that's t- radical which is which is incredibly radical by comparison with from earlier interpretations and and going to places yeah. is um, Andrew Jackson's Hermitage has not caught up to this at all um, oh, interesting. Well, at least okay. the last time that I was there um, you've still got the sort of um, tour guide in a crinoline you've still got the <laughs> oh, no. you know oh Rachel and Andrew didn't they have lovely taste in wallpaper kind of mm. and what didn't they have this adorable relationship and that's the theme whereas at Monticello it's absolutely not anyway so Jefferson is experiencing a downturn right at yeah, the very absolutely. moment that, that Lin-Manuel is, is crafting Hamilton yeah um you bring up i mean it's it's an interesting point and i think maybe we can get into it so my revolution so i used to work on civil war movies um oh really yes uh kind of like my master's project was looking at them as like sites of memory mm-hmm. uh especially early silent film yeah um and my thesis was, bas- was basically that there was you know kind of a culture of this before birth of a nation yeah uh, and then that is kind of like, you know, t- taking from tropes and stuff that was kind of like milling about before. But anyways, um, and while I, while I was doing that, though, I was thinking about, you know, kind of what pieces of American history get movies made about them. And there's an old like joke about the Civil War that um, is it Irving Thalberg told Louis B. Mayer that like no movie about the Civil War ever made a penny when he was offered the chance to make Gone with the Wind. Um, like. <laughs> famous last words uh, but no there are there are a lot of like civil war movies comparative revolution and i feel like a lot of it and i wonder if this would be different now but i feel like a lot of the reason why we don't have many kind of like pop cultural or at least certainly movies because we we're talking about we have plenty of tv um movies about the revolution or the founding era is that it's too a kind of i don't i think if you made something like 1776 today it would receive a lot of criticism for not really well it, I think also the concept is kind of boring. Sorry, any 1776 fans around. Um, and I think maybe it would be criticized for it being too much of a traditional history, right? Or not really like kind of examining the intricacies of state making or the revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, alternatively, I think it, thinking about the kind of ongoing culture wars in the United States, if you made something more akin to Hamilton, that was maybe a bit more revisionist or kind of focused on the hypocrisies of some of the founding fathers, mm. it would be a, a, not a disaster, but like, I, I don't like, I, I, the reaction I think would just be, I don't, I can't even imagine, you yeah. know? And I think, I think you're right. I was, I was recently in, in DC and I, I went to the Lincoln Memorial. Um, and um, as much as Lincoln is to some extent a controversial figure, sort of, he's not really. Like no. compared compared to Thomas Jefferson, 
he's oh, not a, he's, yeah, he's, he's not a controversial figure I, I would definitely put him up like washington closer to washington right, exactly kind of it's, it's it's untouchable he really he really is in the sense that you know save the union all of that stuff and i think you can still have i think obviously like historians will be like you know we shouldn't have heroes and villains we shouldn't blah 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 but you can we st- love to complicate things yeah, <laughs> we love yeah, to be, yeah, yeah exactly it's all very complicated but you can still make a movie about that that, that has oh, Lincoln sure. as the hero, and we have seen yeah. one, and it was hugely successful, and it was great, and it was yeah. great, and it was a great film, and it didn't show him as like the perfect, untouchable man, right? Like he was complicated, he had he was a human, exactly. Um, and I think you're right. I also think that w- one of the interesting things that, that Hamilton does really well, and something that I'm really struck by with its success, is like this is a difficult era of history. This is highly complex. Like I come to the American Revolution, yeah. and the founding, and I'm like, this is highly complex. We end up up um the revolution itself i mean i can't even follow the that you know the the reverses and victories um of the of the armies and how yeah what's happening with all of that i mean i don't even ask me Mm -hmm. about that um (laughs) um, i think lynn mamal miranda definitely knows more about that than i do um probably and then we get to the 1790s um it's fiscal policy that we're talking about that is again like that i think is like the coup of (laughs) hamilton is that the fact that he can make fiscal policy so exciting and like riveting and like interesting right and like that it'd be like the biggest musical since i don't know les miserables or something like yeah (laughs) right it's just so massive but essentially when you boil when you boil it down it is about fiscal policy and state making it's and 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 the fact that i mean i i remember seeing the, the the rap battle over the national bank right that he and it's absolutely brilliant because not only is it like funny but it's also accurate in the (laughs) in the sense that washington does say okay look hamilton and jefferson you have this big massive ideological disagreement about Mm -hmm. about how we should manage national finance um please would each of you submit to me an opinion right and i will adjudicate um, and I believe that he, in fact, does invite. So Jefferson, he gets Jefferson's in first and actually shares it mm. with Hamilton because Washington obviously is in favor of the Hamiltonian I mean, as, program. Yeah, as as the musical shows. Yeah, right. he's he's maybe a bit more of a Hamilton guy. Yeah, he's leaning exactly. He's got his foot. He puts his finger on the scales and he and he says and he says Hamilton, you have the right of reply. Um, you can deal with all of these arguments that Jefferson's making. So no, I mean it's it's a totally brilliant way of capturing that whole moment um yeah so i think that's probably one reason why they're not um and one of the interesting things looking back on the john adams miniseries as well is it's kind of funny because he spends a lot of time hanging around the french court trying to get them to give him money and them not giving him any money i mean that's mm-hmm. <laughs> right that's how diplomacy works right right <laughs> you just a lot of time waiting and waiting yeah, yeah. I, uh, there's a lot of hurry up and wait in the revolutionary era him being separated from abigail how long can you draw that out you know all of that stuff right. um so I, it is I, I can imagine that it would be difficult to um i think there's now if i could make a film about the revolutionary era or tell someone yeah which what, would, film, what would what's like what's the moment of like revolutionary era that you want to see native, i mean native american policy the interactions oh, of okay. the interactions of the national government mm-hmm. with native americans would be absolutely riveting um okay. i i think and there's loads of different stories that you could tell from no, that that's really interesting right yeah um i that'd be really interesting kind of like yeah positioning them as a third party because i think i mean yeah so much of it is like either like oh are you going to base it on the british or the americans but obviously i know there are a lot of different more actors in that then 
Exactly. And I think I think there would be there's just a ton of extraordinary sort of frontier, quote unquote, frontier stories that mm. you could tell. Um, and and yeah, I mean, there's there's just a lot. There's also the story of the man who um, it occurs to me, the story of the man who who's who's um, being freed and then recaptured or re-enslaved, um, kidnapped, um, it prompted the creation of the first Fugitive Slave Act in 1793, oh. that kind of thing, sort of happy story. Yeah. But there are those kinds of stories out there as well of these people mm. um, who really shape the era. But yeah, for some reason, we're not we're not telling those stories well enough or they're not being picked up or whatever it is, but yeah, they're not, not getting through. Not or something, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what it is, but I, I think these things come and go, right? Mm. I mean, like 1776 the movie that was made around the cent- the bicentennial wasn't it right kind of so i mean when we have another anniversary again so at uh, 2026 2026 mm-hmm. oh, is that is that 250 that's 250 we're getting very excited mm-hmm. about it already it's coming up yeah we're already oh, making are you? plans is it, are you a buzz in the uh, <laughs> kind of early american republic among and revolution the revolution freaks we are getting ready for you're planning okay revolution yeah, free free. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Our our suffrage equivalent just ended, so uh, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, feeling the afterwave of that, but no, okay, cool. Um, yeah, I mean Ham- Hamilton. Yeah. What what else? I'm trying to think. Okay, so you focus on federalism. I think also you fo- you work a lot with constitutions now in your research. Yeah. So we we kind of talked about the fact that this makes fiscal policy sexy. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you think? I, I mean, because like obviously this like it. It's interesting what he does choose to highlight in the musical or in the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, I, I'm like, sorry, I'm like interjecting between the two because it's a movie, but it's also a musical. Um, <laughs> we can't pass up the chance to do Hamilton. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, the Constitution, right? Because it's not, he meant, I love, one of my favorite lines is he is like, when Hamilton says like, I was chosen for the Constitutional Convention and he says it in like such like a, like, <laughs> like a fanboy like that's that's a great moment but like it's interesting but it doesn't beyond that it doesn't really focus on that besides maybe him asking Burr to help him with the federalist papers yeah um so I just I don't know one of your thoughts on like how it portrays the constitution or lack of that yeah I mean so Hamilton is um it's it's kind of funny that because I was thinking about the fact that Hamilton is only important. Like, um, this is me, this is very much me being, like, a 1790s person. So, like, some mm-hmm. revolution people may jump in and be like, no, he was really important to the revolution. Yeah, and I'm sure... It's a podcast, it's a chill podcast, yeah. I'm sure, he, I'm sure he was, I'm sure he was. But in a sense, <laughs> like, you're right, he's on the $10 bill because he's the first Secretary of the Treasury, because he invents the American national debt because he, you know, he mm-hmm. creates the entire, fit, like, he creates a fiscal military state, as, as, as Max Edling would have it, right? Um, and which, which sets, you know, which sets the United States on a path to world domination, you know. Um, but, but in, a, some, yeah. <laughs> in a sense, yeah, right? Like, so that's, his, that's why he's important. Um, mm. He's important because of what he gets up to after 1789, um, really, um, I think. But it's funny, right, because he does go to the Constitutional Convention where he just doesn't... He's, his, his ideas are so extreme that he mm. is not taken seriously. He actually isn't there for a lot of it. I don't think his oh, name is okay. on it. I feel like he doesn't sign it. I feel like he's already gone know. home. Um, I can't remember. I might be getting that totally wrong, which would be really embarrassing. Um, I'm really... We're going to have to... Sit, it's, it's constant, is the Constitutional con- Sorry, did they hold the convention in Philadelphia yeah, or New York? In Philadelphia, yeah. Okay, yeah. right. Wait, okay, sidebar. I, okay, I'm, I grew up on the West Coast, or like, not the West Coast, but the West. Yeah. Um, and I have a small, I don't know, New Yorkers. Um, I just love how this show is like, Philadelphia doesn't exist. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
that is so true. Oh, we have to talk about New York, actually. So something I definitely want to get into on the historical mm. accuracy slash like contemporary New York is is the yeah is the idea of New York okay. in Hamilton, um, right? Okay, but, yes, because I think that's really really interesting in the way. That, but lest we get distracted, he, but he is not it, at the he does not maybe sign it. Maybe we put an asterisk. We're gonna on have that. to check that. But I he, can look. I can Google it real quick. But he isn't there for most of it. He comes in. He submits this plan of government, which is highly highly centralizing. So Hamilton's idea. Hamilton really, really doesn't like the state governments. And again, as a Brit, I'm kind of like, why would you like the state governments? Why wouldn't you just want to have a centralized... <laughs> it, has, it has advantages, yeah. <laughs> why wouldn't you just want to have a centralized national state? Um, uh, James Madison has not reached his like Virginia and Kentucky resolutions period where he's like nullifying mm -hmm. national law. He is in his like centralizing, I think we should allow the national government to veto state laws period at the constitutional convention so hamilton but hamilton's even more radical than that right um in his sort of approach and he comes in and he says look here i have a plan of the constitution okay and it gets completely buried by other people's plans and nobody takes him that seriously at the convention itself mm. and the moment when he becomes really really important in a way is going to be when he comes out in defense of the constitution through the federalist papers when he gets back to new york right. and i think that's very much kind of like the yeah that's what i mean federalist papers are a big part in learning about the kind of constitution yeah yeah exactly um and so it's yeah he's going to be he's going to be the person as as miranda kind of points out who is going to be driving the production of mm. this defense of the constitution um one of the one of the things that i quite like about the um, the musical um, that I think a lot of people don't get. The Federalist is not intended to be a work of political, or at least I don't feel that it's intended to be a coherent work of political philosophy. It is a defense right. of the Constitution for a very specific purpose, which is to convince the New York ratifying convention to ratify. Well, and it's three different people writing them as well, because it's, so you mean you already have different ideas. Different voices around. under this yep. tight name of Publius. Um, and yeah, it's. It's designed to just convince people for now that the constitution is going to work. Um, right. And it's not a measured assessment of how the constitution actually works or how it's going to work in practice because they don't know how it's going to work in practice. No, they haven't implemented it's it yet. It's, that's kind of the crazy thing about this period too, right? It's like, they're just like, I guess. Like they, <laughs> it's really, which is why there's so much debate about it, right? Like, cause it's, it is effectively, you know, it's the state making is, it, it will affect a lot of people yep. to put it lightly. Yeah. Um, so you want to get it right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You don't want another Articles of Confederation situation. Right. Um. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, no. So so that's what he's going to become um, significant. So in terms of the way that it, it deals with that, yeah, the folks on the Federalist. And then, but I think he's right that like that period, that sort of 70, late 1780s isn't, isn't the thing. It's when he becomes Secretary of the Treasury that he's yeah. just going to explode into significance in a way. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, he did sign the constitution mm. that is the only, um, on at least Wikipedia's four important founding documents. Um, that is the only one he signed <laughs> out of the, let me pull it up. Um, is this, is this articles of confederation? No, sorry. The continental association, the declaration and the article. Yeah. The articles. I can't believe he was so like, he, he was like either 21 or 19 in 1776. He was a so baby. Young. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, fair that he's not signing it um, yeah. or he's not in um, Philadelphia when that's going on. Yeah. So, okay. 
speaking of Philadelphia, we can get back to, so thank you for your thoughts and sharing the constitution, yeah. but I do kind of want to get back to this New York, um, theme in the show. And I think that also kind of gets to something we mentioned earlier of the idea of Ham or Miranda seeing himself as Hamilton and yeah. kind of the ways he makes it a 21st century story or what he brings out in Hamilton's life as it relates to him the author yeah it's so so the new york thing kind of cracks me up so it's we've got this line that's repeated and that that song the greatest city in the world we're greatest getting city in the world the greatest city yeah. in the world it's a classic like new york it's, bravado right right exactly um and it's so wonderfully misplaced in this particular context right it's totally new york is an absolute backwater no one likes New York at this point, right? Like Philadelphia is like, I've, that's the city, you know? Yeah, that's my but, understanding. But we have to bear in mind, like, none of them are the city, right? Like, they're all backwaters, they're all, right? But they yeah. are all absolute backwaters. There are many cities in Spanish America, which are much older and grander. Um, mm -hmm. There are, um, but, and, and if you're comparing that, I mean, London and Paris are juggernauts at this time mm. right just they are massive they are teeming they are um the the money that is coming through these cities is just vast these right. massive yeah. houses are being built these incredible right. um palaces um and you know and you ha and so so it's it's kind of hilarious because new york um <laughs> when if you look at a map of new york in the founding era mm -hmm. it is um I mean, I, I, I couldn't even describe it in street, but basically, you know, those named streets, right, down near the battery. Right. Um, streets that have That's names. That's pretty much that it, is, right? Yeah. That is New York. Right. Um, so Hamilton, as they mention in the show, Hamilton buys mm. a house or buys some land and builds a house up in Harlem. Uptown, right? It's like quiet uptown or whatever. Yeah. Like when Harlem is still a village, I imagine. Yeah. I mean, it's not connected to the city, of mm. New York, it's 143rd Street uh, is, is where <laughs> it ends up being, roughly. Yeah. Um, I've actually stayed right near there in, in Harlem, um, beautiful oh, area. Yeah, it was really cool. I went for a morning run and was like, oh my gosh, that I think that's Alexander Hamilton's house, um, <laughs> which was incredible in St. Nicholas Park, which is where they've moved it. Mm. But yeah, it's he is moving out of the city. Um, when he's right. building that house. So I think that's kind of a really important thing. Um, to I mean, city living in the 18th century as well is not ideal. It is not glamorous. So talking no. of Aaron Burr, Aaron Burr gets involved yeah. in this, this, this like New York-based water company that uses mm. wooden pipes to transport mm. water, which is, you know gross <laughs> like it's terrible it's, it's because what happens it's when you put good, wood... good for pipes but also like ooh. no i mean what happens when you put wood in prolonged contact with water <laughs> it gets porous and moldy um so yeah no i mean it's completely it's it, it's yeah it's it's not glamorous um and it's small um and it's it's growing and it is a commercial center for british north america at the time but it's interesting mm. because when hamilton is leaving so Lin Manuel is talking about you know he's 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 Puerto Rican, and he's thinking mm -hmm. about people from Puerto Rico moving to New York, mm -hmm. and Hamilton is moving mm -hmm. from the Caribbean to New York as well. But he's essentially moving yeah. away from the hub of of, of the, the center this is towards right, the of the British Empire in the Americas, right? Exactly. I, I think one of the opening lines of Alexander Hamilton is. Um, Oh, shit, I was listening to it earlier today, and now I don't have it. But, you know, like, Aaron Burr says, like, you know, 
how does the bastard orphan son of a whore and a scotsman (laughs) yes and a scotsman okay yeah um (laughs) born i think he calls it a backwater or like middle of nowhere and i mean because he's born on nevis nevis yes 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 yes, yes does he but he moves around a lot kind of the british caribbean doesn't he yeah and he moves to the danish colony of saint croix um okay. as well so he is yeah he's moving around the caribbean okay, we go. the middle of a forgotten spot in the caribbean there we go that's that's the uh that's the descriptor yeah, yeah forgotten spot and which i find really interesting it is and i, I suppose <laughs> i'm like i'm not a historian of the caribbean i can only imagine yeah. that there are areas of the caribbean which are more and less wealthy in this period sure um but mm-hmm. absolutely the 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 heart of the british empire the reason why you know it's all very sad that we lose the 13 colonies but in a sense we still have the important we don't really bit, care right yeah. because we have the sugar islands um right and hamilton comes from the sugar islands um and he's moving to um and obviously it's a very society is wildly different obviously because oh, it's plantation yeah. um it's mm-hmm. brutal plantation society on in in the british mm-hmm. caribbean um by comparison with new york where there are a lot of enslaved people in this period which is something which we can get into as well <laughs> There's a lot of enslaved yep. people living in new york at this time um but it, it's as ira berlin would have it like it's, he's moving from a slave society to a society with slaves so it is different mm. um, in terms of the population mm-hmm. dynamics but yeah so that was one of the things that i found really funny also <laughs> on that idea of being an immigrant um so this is something that i've really been kind of thinking about recently as well yeah whether i mean i don't again i'm not a historian of the early republic would have would other people have considered him an immigrant um at this time because he is moving from one location of the British Empire to another. Precisely. So, yeah, he's, he's, I think this has all been inflected by this kind of Ellis Island. I mean, that's one of the really interesting things yes. about this, right? Is, is, well, that's, right? If we think about like Hamilton, right? Like, obviously, it's, it's a piece of Broadway show and it's very much like celebrating kind of the American tradition of immigration, yeah. which is a really interesting thing to pick out from Alexander Hamilton's story. Yeah. But if we get like you know to the real figure of Alexander Hamilton and the times he lived in, yeah, he's then he's yeah. not he's not going through Ellis Island. Nobody is stamping his papers. He is not going no. to be the point, right? The the, the the irony of all of this. I was thinking about this last night. Is that like the, um, the British North Americans who participate in mm. the American Revolution, the Patriots, um, are saying we have every right we should be treated exactly the same way that people are treated in england because we are british citizens Um, yes and hamilton is one of the leaders of that sort of train of thought um and so it's yeah he he doesn't consider himself um an immigrant obviously i mean one of the interesting things i was thinking about is like the idea that so linda collie wrote this great book um, captives, which kind of talks about the fact that if you're an empire builder in the 17th, mm. 18th, even the 19th century, you're a, you are vulnerable mm. in a lot of ways, mm. which is kind of an uncomfortable in, wh- in what way? In the sense that you are traveling to places where you are vulnerable. I mean, you are vulnerable to um, being captured. I mean, she's talking about people being captured. People, oh, sure. Brit- you know, Brits who go out with very little military ah. support and try to build mm-hmm. empire in various places um, are often... I mean, look at sub- right, like Roanoke, if we go back to the like you know original example of that. Exactly, yeah. are often subject to captivity, for example. So they're all vulnerable mm-hmm. and, and, you know, dangerous sea voyages, all of that stuff. So right. yeah, of course, mm-hmm. he's vulnerable in the sense that he is moving from one place where he's born to this, this other place with this different climate society. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's mm-hmm. he's travelling, all of that stuff. Um, but yeah, no, in terms of being an immigrant, um, that is a... 
a category error, <laughs> right? Sure. Uh, in a sense, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's fast. Yeah, so I think uh, maybe that speaks to as well. Mm-hmm. Rewatching it, so again, I the first time I actually watched it was um, uh, two years ago when it premiered on Disney Plus uh, on July fourth, <laughs> and I listened to the soundtrack before then. I had seen uh, gift sets of it on Tumblr, yeah. <laughs> um, kind of back in the day. So it's it's crazy that I think actually, I mean, cause obviously it's was is still or was the hottest kind of ticket in broadway or any kind of mm, show area entertainment street um yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was located on um but from 2015 to, or i would say generally so like 2016 when it was really popping off the 2020 yeah. there was no legal way to watch it besides like actually going to a theater mm-hmm. but bootlegs abounded so um <laughs> they were all across the internet and kind of like little animaniacs that people put on youtube <laughs> of them imagining how these things were staged um but so it's 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 kind of crazy to think that we've already had um gosh what is it like five seven years of hamilton yeah, yeah. right yeah and I think what really struck out to me this time is too is how I wouldn't say it's aged poorly, but it's certainly from a different time yes. already. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. I mean, so this was really interesting for me. As I say, I watched it with my my little sisters um, who are three and six mm. years younger than me. Um, yeah. And it was really funny because um, be it with that sort of like Gen Z kind of cynicism uh, was yeah. definitely showing through. <laughs> they thought. I mean, it was really interesting. So we'd seen it on the West End stage. Um, with this mm-hmm. fabulously talented young man who actually comes from the same area of London as me um, and sort of Lambeth, oh, okay. Brixton, yeah, um, playing, yeah. Um, which is a, a sort of very black um, Afro-Caribbean um, area. And he was playing Hamilton in this okay. production. Um, he was a fabulous singer. He's a fabulous dancer. He had all of the musical theatre stuff. It was weird, I have to say, for all of us watching Lin-Manuel as Hamilton. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I like listen to the soundtrack. So I, I, his voice, I'm very much like this is Hamilton, but I think he's not he's, a great singer. He's not a very good singer, right. um, <laughs> which I think is sorry, also apparent in that White House video. I'm sorry, <laughs> Mr. Benwell, you are a musical genius. I'm happy for all the work you are getting, yes. but also like I think it. My brother's also kind of said a similar thing, right? Like uh, Miranda's maybe not. Like if you if somebody else had written I don't know um, Hamilton and they were just like casting people for him like I, I don't think you'd go from you certainly wouldn't go for Miranda off the boat right, right? he's also like I I was just struck how, by how old yeah he is he, he looks. is <laughs> he is like compared okay so it's most of the show I mean how old is Hamilton when he dies um so Hamilton is born in either 1755 or 1757 mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and he dies in 1804. So mm-hmm. he's only going to be so in his, his mid to late forties when he dies. Late forties, okay. yeah. And I mean, so for a lot of the show, he is like a quite young man, right? And you're kind of like, yes. <laughs> especially the you know this being like a filmed version of it, where you have close-ups, which you don't get in a theater. Yes, so you can kind of like see his face, and you're like, this is a this is like a thirty or forty year old. I don't know how old he's in his thirties. I think Lin Manuel Miranda when they filmed this in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd double check that, but <laughs> he's certainly not like this kind of like youthful, like upstart who's just gotten to New York and is a twenty. Like, you know what you would say? He was like 17 years old in 1776. So he was, he was 20, he was, he was year. either 19 or 21. So he was very okay, young. Very young. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he's only going to be, so by the time of the constitutional convention, right in 1787, he's only like 30. Oh, geez. I have oh, a lot to do in four years. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, he's really, really, and there are younger people. Charles Pinkney from South Carolina is like 25. I mean, it's really, I mean, oh, he's, no. you know, um, um, he's part of this, this old slaveholding yeah, dynasty, so you, I don't feel that bad. But, um. And I, I don't want to say he can't play Hamilton, obviously, because like it is his child. Yeah. I think I also would have loved to see Billy Joe Armstrong play um, the character of St. Jimmy in kind of, um, American Idiot in that mm. kind of Broadway staging, yeah. right? It's interesting to see these creators stage characters in the shows. Yeah. But... It's it uh, yeah. I mean, watching it again, I was like, oh man, like Lin Manuel Miranda. Because there's kind here. of and, and yeah, and there's kind of a it's it's people because you have Leslie Odom Jr. playing yes. um Burr. Burr, and he is he steals he steals the show. He just he truly does. He, he's so, he's just so good. He yeah. is just you cannot take your eyes off him. Um, uh, Christopher Jackson, I I mean, David Diggs as well. David like, Diggs is so well cast in this. Oh, apart he's, from he's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. so so there is that slight. So that was one of the funny things about watching it. I think also, who was it who was talking about how? Uh, it was one of those these, these these historians had quoted someone else, and it may have been Ron Chernow, mm. saying. Hamilton's uh, Manuel's um, Manuel's staging of Hamilton is um, uh, an Obama era take. Absolutely, on the yeah, I think it's one of like the I think key pieces of like the Obama era or like pop culture from the Obama era as well. It's this idea that people who have been um, excluded, minoritized at the periphery, at the maybe. periphery, yeah. can mm-hmm. um, now own. Um, the the american story the american story the, yeah and but it's it's the it's it's the very traditional american story right right it, which is part of the reason why it was exciting at the time and it, it has a lot of controversy as well yeah i think and i think yeah. that's something that's worth sort of sort of worth a little bit of getting into in the sense that hmm. um yeah it's it's so I've, I've mentioned this term founder chic which again is all over the literature on hamilton um it's you know it's it's getting into the, the heads of these men. Um, it's not necessarily a particularly inclusive vision. We're only it's, it's very it's another kind of version of great man history, right? Where we only focus on one person who was maybe very important to a certain process, as opposed to listening to a lot of voices from different parts of society. Right, and I think so. Uh, this is something that I don't fully grasp because i know as so mm. so one of the things they, they had a lot of quotes in, in in this historians on hamilton but they had a lot of quotes from the actors that were taken from from interviews people like david diggs mm-hmm. christopher jackson etc um saying wow i really felt ownership of the american story as a result of participating in the show i feel like mm-hmm. a lot of other people are going to feel ownership of it and i mm. think that was absolutely true and i think there were a lot of people who felt that um mm. who might might not otherwise otherwise have been able to to take ownership um right that and and i can't understand that for two reasons one of them is i'm a, a privileged <laughs> white woman um, uh-huh. and yeah. so, so so it's never been a problem for me to be included i mean except insofar as i'm a woman it's never been a problem right. for me to be included in these kinds of stories and second of all because we don't mm-hmm. have this kind of story for the uk in a sense right, right? there's not <laughs> you all don't look at 1066 and feel some sort of national pride <laughs> i was gonna say 1066 exactly um like there's no particular i'm not interested in trying to identify with the wife of a anglo-saxon king right um, sure, or, or 
or, see yourself in the Bayou Tapestry. Or, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that isn't something that, that causes me anxiety. Is that I can't like fit myself into the story of the Battle of Sunlight Hill. Right. Um, mm. But um, but clearly for Americans there is that impulse to feel included in the story um, or for some Americans. And then on the other hand, and then on the other hand, there's this question of like, it's so weird, right? That people who have been, ex- who's, who, whose ancestors and families mm. um, and communities have historically been excluded from mm-hmm. American government, um, from participation in the political community, from participation in other kinds of arenas of, of American life, um, would want to be identified with these individuals. And I think that's the big shift, I think, from 2016 to the present. Yes. In kind of perceptions of Hamilton. I think that was the funny thing. So when I when it first came out, historians were ecstatic. I mean, as I recall Absolutely. it, in, mm. if, I think I joined Twitter around November 2016 and it was the okay. big talk. It was right. like, you know, all the historians of the early republic were like, oh my goodness, I cannot believe that the stuff that we are interested in is suddenly becoming finally in the limelight right yeah. like everybody's dream so you think yeah, yeah. <laughs> you people are getting interviewed about it you know we're all getting a lot of attention that's of reflected glory from it you know um and there's this idea that it's this incredible progressive moment it's you know a mm. black man playing george washington i remember going and seeing a black man playing george washington and thinking there is a black man mm-hmm. playing george washington down there on that stage that yep. is mind-bending when i think about george washington now i'm going to see a black man Mm. the problem is and, and that was a mind-bending <laughs> moment right the problem right. the question is is that in and does, of itself a good thing and what right. does that do i do yeah right i mean i think because the thing is it's putting it gains kind of like this crown of you know being very progressive and very forward thinking in its casting right which is good I, yeah i like the idea of the kind of colorblind casting yeah um or the idea of i think miranda has described it as like casting it as in again like if we're thinking about him bringing hamilton to the 21st century yeah. into how he sees america which is a very diverse group of citizens yeah but on the other hand i think that maybe lends itself to the idea that it d- then does not need to address the thornier side of the founding fathers like yes. slavery i mean slavery is the biggest one exactly I so, so I, I, to, yeah. I was there's an essay by lara montero in this this volume historians on hamilton and what she says is the idea that hamilton the, the, the idea that lin-manuel miranda was making america quote-unquote like making america of the mm. 18th century look like america of the 21st century is, is to suggest that America in the 18th century was not a highly diverse place, which, which it was. It was. <laughs> yeah. It was just that George Washington wasn't black, right? right. Those in power maybe was less were diverse, not diverse. They weren't diverse yeah. because, because people of color were actively excluded from participating in political processes. Um, and mm. But they were there. And so the question right. that she's kind of asking is... <sighs> is the erasure, like, is it... You're, right, you're like, essentially telling people that, that, yeah, yeah, exactly. That in a, in a sense, you're actually indicating to people of color living today that they weren't, there were no people like them present in this period, unless mm. you r- race reverse the casting of the, right. or, or, or take some specific choice to the mm. casting of of this 
this sort of media. Um, so, yeah, and I think the fact that there are a lot of um, references to slavery, the other thing, of course, being, like, was Hamilton a progressive hero? Right. Kind of, <laughs> I, I mean, has anybody call him an abolitionist? I'm not sure what... So he's called an abolitionist he's, in the show. In the, in the show he is. But, like, do historians, would, would most historians call him an abolitionist? Um, not really. So he's okay. he's a member of the New York, he's a founding member, I believe, in the New York Manumission Society. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I think is what we forget that abolition was quite a radical idea up until, like, the 1850s. Yeah, I mean, well, so there are people... Um, you can be anti-slavery and not necessarily an abolitionist, I think, is the division that we forget today. There is there is that, um, absolutely. So I think one of my general points that I try to make is, like, no one was talking mm. about abolishing slavery at the Constitutional Convention. Um, right. Which I think is something that is driving, is a conception that drives a lot of that debate about what is the Constitution pro anti-slavery. That, to me, is kind of an a historical question in the sense of like mm. uh, of course it was pro-slavery there was one state in the united states that had abolished slavery more or mm. less which was massachusetts that was the mm. only one everywhere else had slavery new york wasn't right. going to abolish slavery finally until 1827 we mm. are a long long way away from abolition even in the north um, at this time, Pennsylvania has implemented gradual abolition, but that's an mm-hmm. extremely thorny process, which involves a lot of slave owners essentially saying, finding ways around the law um, or, or mm-hmm. um, finding loopholes. Anyway, so the point is, um, Hamilton is not known to have personally owned enslaved people, but he right. benefited from their labor. He hired them um, from uh, slave owners um, and his wife's family um owned slaves that was yeah a big recent releva- revelation no that um the skylers at the skyler kind of history home yeah or historic house yeah, um, yeah kind of found evidence of yeah the skylers owning enslaved people yeah and 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 it was true of yeah so 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 at some level he's he's not heroic in that sense mm. um mm-hmm. And that is one of the things that's going to make um, the portrayal of a lot of these figures really by right. by African American. Which I don't think is to say that we shouldn't make pop culture depictions of them. I just think right. we have to think a lot about what it does and kind of what you know the trade offs, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but as I say, like one of the things I really revel in with the with Hamilton is it's it's profoundly negative portrayal of Thomas Jefferson, to whom I have nothing but <laughs> negative feelings. You're anti Jefferson. Um, <laughs> I'm really quite anti Jefferson, and so yeah, I yeah. really enjoy that. Um, but yeah, then again, um, as historians pointed out, there is this sort of black and whiteness. Then again, Joanne Freeman has written this is historical fiction. Uh, this is yeah. not and could never have been it's a rap musical it could never uh, yeah. have been an accurate <laughs> yeah. representation uh-huh i mean the, the the kind of the woman aspect we haven't really touched on like, no. the skylar sisters um yeah uh, great i mean philippa sue as um eliza is again like fantastic um yes. and kind of I, I think i have not read have you read the chernow biography no i haven't i mean i've read bits of okay, it me either yeah i've i've read his washington one but not his hamilton mm-hmm. one um um, but I mean, I, I think the idea that maybe there was a relationship between Hamilton and Angelica, mm. maybe, I mean, obviously he highlights their letters in the biography, I assume, but I don't know. I mean, it takes a lot of liberties, like any, like any, like kind of, you know, historical creation that is not strictly academic yeah. does. <laughs> and that's what makes it compelling, right? Like I think Byrne and the, you know, the assumption that 
uh, Eliza's letters don't exist, right? And I think Byrne is really interesting and it's kind of like ad- literally addressing like future historians wonder, which we often do. <laughs> Why'd she burn? I mean, it was common practice to burn letters back in the day, but like, did she do it because of the Reynolds scandal or not? And then the Reynolds scandal, right? The, the personal kind of like dynamic between all these characters is what is what really is driving the dramatic tension yes. in the musical. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and he does that incredibly well and that was one of the things that I was very struck by I think um, re- re-watching it <clears throat> I think like um, was there a relationship between them I think it's entirely possible and what we have to remember about the 18th century is these people are like rude and saucy and like you know <laughs> I mean they talk about sex a lot mm. um, and they're not we you know it's it's it's, it's always funny to encounter um Americans, for example, who meet me and think that because I have an English accent, I'm probably really uptight or whatever. And I think there's proper exactly, and there's kind of a similar, (laughs) a similar thing is done to the founding fathers sometimes. And Mm. no, this is a this is this dirty world, right? This sort of apocryphal thing that Martha called or Martha Washington called Hamilton a tomcat, right? Like it's. It's dirt, yeah. They, it's, it's, they're they're people, right? Like they have the you need the same thing. You go to Roman ruins and you can see sexually graphic graffiti. <laughs> exactly. Or that Shakespeare was really like a man of the culture, right? Like just in Mozart right, and his scatological humor, right? So, you know, it's it's all of that stuff. And Hamilton, yeah, yeah, I think the idea so so there was a line in a letter where Angelica says to Eliza, you know, it, it was something to what you know, if you really loved me, mm. you would share him. You know, you know mm-hmm. how much I love your husband and you can lend him to me, um, or whatever. Um but I don't know. I mean, I've heard relatives sort of say to one another, you know, oh, I, you know, I'd, 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 I'd gladly swap my husband for yours or whatever. It's, it's always like a line, like, how much of this is like, how do I take this seriously? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I work in like the late 19th and 20th century and they also have very different standards of kind of expressing emotionality. Yeah. So when people say like, oh, I can't wait to go back and like kiss you, you're like, all right, is this like a friendship kiss or is it like... Mm more like is it more than a you know like, <laughs> and, and it, it's hard to say um but <laughs> yeah so i think that but um, but i enjoy the depiction of the i particularly appreciate the depiction of his his loss i mean one of the things i'm really struck by when i get into his letters yeah. yeah is the fact that this is a people lose children with a regularity it's that is horrifying a, I, I that's actually another kind of like the, the the kind of running theme of the show of you know, I imagine like this sense that death is always coming for him, that he's always running out of time yeah. um, is and the fact that he survives when his mother dies in this was it yellow fever yeah. or malaria yeah. uh, um, epidemic mm-hmm. in the Caribbean. The, the, the 18th century is such a dangerous time. Yeah. Right. Like it's <laughs> like they, they're, they are close. They a are, lot of. Yeah. They're close to death, death at all times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, 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 you know, Washington nearly dies early in his presidency. He then dies. Yeah. As I was recently at Mount Vernon and I hadn't even it's realized. Yeah. Yeah. He gets a third. He gets yeah. a throat infection and then he dies. Um, they bleach him. I think it's too much. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so right. Yeah, it doesn't help at least. No. So. Yeah. So it's so. Yeah. And the, the depiction of Phillips, the impact of Phillips death, because I think we sometimes yeah. tend to think, you know, oh, maybe they didn't feel it as much because they all Mm. lost but i think that was something that i appreciated about the film yeah yeah okay well i think on that maybe a bit of a dour note (laughs) yes um (laughs) is there anything else you'd like to highlight from like just kind of like you know whatever like the production design the costumes music 
uh, like moments you love from Hamilton that you want to like shout out before we wrap up? Yeah, I mean, no, I, I was I was noticing the sort of sexy 18th century like dancer <laughs> dress, which really tickled of course, like, me. Oh, the chorus, the yeah. Co- yeah, the the, cor- the chorus corsets, um, the use of the riding boot, the finest the finest item of 18th mm. century clothing. <laughs> the fact that the ladies get to wear riding boots, I really appreciate mm-hmm. because yes, they are fantastic. Um, no, I mean, I, and and the fact that I was going to sort of mention, obviously, like the film. Mm is cool because you get to see more of that like blocking and choreography that's going on on the right. stage it's it's really well done I, the director of the film was um lin-manuel's friend thomas kale mm-hmm. who also directed the stage production of in the heights and he, he did a great job it's it's a great production so yeah if you haven't seen it on disney plus and you have access to disney plus i highly recommend it yeah would recommend i mean it's a it's yeah it's an interesting watch i think yeah it's Hamilton right like it's I don't my, know have your pro- say I call, I call everyone else a, has had their say I just I just I'm I'm just gonna let it be a problematic fave as That's, the kids say I mean, of no mine one's, no one's perfect no. right as Hannah Montana <laughs> said um yeah it's it's yeah I mean I think, as Hannah Montana said do we do we ask too much from like historical things maybe but um yeah i mean for more on that usually... tune into the future episodes of flashback <laughs> yes thank you grace thank you for plugging you're on brand um and yeah we'll get that into a lot more with the rest of the podcast yeah i don't know i think ultimately hamilton is a net positive right just i'm very pro anything that gets people into history mm-hmm. or like into an idea of history or consuming history mm-hmm. that and, and maybe maybe away from the idea that it's just like uh facts or sorry dates and i think um, that's one of the things i think it, it was probably i think it was freeman again sorry hi joanne no, um, <laughs> joanne we love you um was you know is saying it seems highly unlikely that this is the last time that people are going to engage with this history right coming out yeah. of the production it seems unlikely that people are just going to go away and say oh yeah that was fun and now i don't care anymore is, I mean, look at the Hamilton, like, uh, you mentioned there was a book, right? Historians on Hamilton. Historians on Hamilton. There's, there's been exhibitions, right. I think uh-huh. probably visits to all of these historic sites mm-hmm. um, and historical societies are going to, mm-hmm. you know, are, have been affected by this. Um, and, and reap the benefits, yeah. And, and students, and right? Schools. Just like people wanting to study the early republic. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, and, and, and school children. So, so, yeah, there is, I think it really did give a new lease of life to, to these kinds of... Um, uh, these kinds of stories um, for the and, contemporary. Yeah. Yeah. And as a historian, I like to see it. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I think we will end it there. We could talk about Hamilton, I think, for another three hours. Um, but alas, I try to keep this podcast uh, closer to the hour mark and we're already a bit over. Um, but thank you so much, Grace, for stopping by and talking Hamilton with me. Um, it's been a joy. Really looking, was really looking forward to it. And it was yeah, just great to talk Hamilton. Um, is there anything you would like to plug um, at like, you know, any Twitter or book recommendations or stuff you've written? Um, yeah. So um, I haven't written much about Hamilton myself, but I would say I would recommend this volume, which I believe is edited by Renee Romano. It's called Historians on Hamilton. It features people mm. like Joanne Freeman, David Waldstreicher, Leslie Harris, um, Lyra Montero. Um, and if you're interested in that public, um, Shira Lurie has also written on this. Um, so if you just go, go and Google away and you can find some really interesting commentary on Hamilton um and um yeah if you're interested in american constitutionalism by any chance i also run my own podcast which is called conventions and you can find it on spotify apple all of the major podcast providers um but anyway thank you so much katie for having me um 
a flashback no again yeah thank you for joining me um and with that that has been our episode on hamilton thank you so much for joining us you can follow us on twitter at flashback histopod that is f-l-s-h-b-c-k-h-i-s-t-o-p-o-d we will be back again soon to take another look at american history on the silver screen and until then goodbye